This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, the history of aquarium keeping is an intimate mix of exotic fishes, equally exotic locales, interesting practices, and amazing people. And if you go back into the history of our hobby, you're likely to encounter a few names that transcend both time and geography. Axelrod, Bainch, Lacorte, Fenner, and a guy from New York named Paul Hanna. And when I think about who my biggest influences in the hobby are, it has to be some of these old classic giants. Sure, there's guys like Takashi Amano and so forth. And you wonder, like, who influenced you? You know, like, who influenced the way you, the way, like, I don't know, Muddy Waters influenced Led Zeppelin or the way Roxy Music influenced Duran Duran or how Dr. Dre influenced 50 Cent or, well, yeah, you get it. Music has influences. For me, growing up in a house full of guppy tanks, my dad was obviously a big influence. Um, the names that came up, again, were these legendary guppy breeders of the day. And one of them was named Paul Hanel, who I just mentioned. His books were all over my dad's library. So it was only natural that I'd end up reading them as a kid. And then, of course, there was a very you know, uh, good description about him. Uh, in, in a magazine I, I read many years later. And Hanel and his contemporaries were definitely, definitely pioneers. But they were not scientists in the traditional sense. Rather, they were hobbyists. And guys like Hanel applied careful observation, discipline, patience, and a healthy dose of common sense into their technique. This is a set of characteristics which has not only distinguished great hobbyists from average hobbyists for generation, it helps advance the hobby. And the other thing is they shared this information freely. And I think that's really interesting. And I remember, you know, reading many of my dad's books. For example, the well-worn copy of William T. Innes's, Innes's, I think it's Innes or Innes's. It's a classic book called Exotic Aquarium Fishes. It's been reprinted many, many, many times over the years. It's the book that I literally read a thousand times, cover to cover. I memorized every species name, could quote some of his charming yet dated sounding passages about their care and about as you know, esoteric and fish geek precious as his discussions on waking up early morning to net Daphne off fishes off, for his fishes off of local ponds. I, I can still quote that passage right from my memory. It was the mantra for the working fish geek in the 1930s and I suppose, you know, it's been that way ever since. And he said, future generations may smile at our working hours, but this allows the tropical fish enthusiast to be at his salaried position by eight. I love that quote because, yeah, that kind of reminds me of what I did when I was a kid. I remember haunting the local pond, collecting fairy shrimp and mosquito larvae, which endeared me to my mom to no end, before school, largely inspired by that very passage. It's pretty funny. Um, and then going back to Hanel, I, he... he 
wrote a lot of articles, a lot of books. And one of my favorite quotes from him was uh, in regards to the care of his fishes. He sort of said it whimsically, but I think he meant it seriously. He said, just feed good live and dried food when you pass by your tank from the left and siphon out 10% of the water when you pass from the right. Obviously, it is sort of metaphoric, but the idea rang clear through the decades. Feed your fishes well and change the water on a regular basis. In other words, be consistent in both husbandry and maintenance and observe. And it's really that simple. It's about two key factors in aquarium keeping. This idea of keeping our aquarium water as low in metabolic compounds as possible while simultaneously feeding our fishes with the most nutritious foods possible as often as possible. It's funny, guppies and guppy breeders sort of formed a through line in my fish keeping pedigree. For me, growing up, you know, in a house full of guppy tanks, the names that kept coming up were guys like Paul Hanel and the other guppy breeders of the time. Now, again, I'm not going to be out, not going to tell you that he was my only influence. There were a bunch. There was, a, well, again, William T. Inez. I remember he had a great picture. And of course, they were all black and white, but they had a great picture of one of my favorite all-time fishes, the Crinucus spolurus, the sailfin kerosene, which I finally acquired not too many years back after a lifetime in the hobby. It was a huge event for me. It was a culmination of decades of wanting this cool fish and just never having the means or ability to find it. And I finally did. And it was something about this fish of my childhood, this fish that I just worshipped as a child to get it. It was pretty cool. My copies of these old books and, and articles were just so beaten up that you could barely open them without pages falling out. I literally read them cover to cover. And these books written decades before I was born and the lessons from people like Hanel, Inez, and Rosario Lacorte were the backbone of my fishy education. And an interesting thing about these old books, much of the advice that's proffered in them still stands the test of time. Most of this stuff is fundamental husbandry and common sense concepts related to the selection, care, and breeding of fishes. It's not rocket science. It's not certainly new. Now, sure, some of the, the names of the species may have changed and some things have become more common, like breeding discus, which in Inez's 1939 dish, edition was so important, they put an, a little addendum at the end of the book as it was being rushed to press, and they, they hailed it as one of the greatest tropical fish achievements in history, which, when you think about it in the context of the era, it was. And then there was the great Rosario Lacorte, one of my favorite all-time fish hobbyists. He wrote a little paperback book, I think it's from the 60s, and I got a reprint of it at a garage sale or something. It's called Enjoy the Tetris. It's pretty much the vector for my lifelong love of these little fishes. He bred hundreds of species of fishes, wrote about them tirelessly in books and magazines, and freely shared his trials and tribulations in grand fish geek style. I remember uh, it was 19, uh, excuse me, 2012. I was in the New York area and I was invited to a, a meeting of the Long Island Killifish Association, a legendary club, where he was there uh, in, in person. And um, he's not a young guy, but he was there. He was really into it. And at the time, I was pretty much at the top of my reef game. I was a pretty well-known speaker in the aquarium hobby. I was traveling all over the world giving talks. I owned, you know, a, a, a major coral propagation firm. I was, I was at MACNA and all these big conferences and I was, I was fearless and excited and whatever. And I remember meeting him and I literally just fell to pieces. I was just completely lost, mindful of my pedigree. I was absolutely like a 13-year-old about to meet their favorite TikTok star or something. I was just gone. I remember how excited and how nervous I was to meet this legendary hobbyist in the flesh. And you know what? 
he didn't let me down. He was one of the nicest, most humble fish guys I ever met. And he took the time to talk with me about who knows what. I think I must have simply repeated, I've read all your books like 20 times over and over again. And he lived up to his legendary status. What a neat guy. Of course, no other hobbyist, past or present, has ever had the amazing and complete influence on me that my dad did. He literally started me with a bowl of fishes when I was three, and I haven't looked back since. He passed away a number of years back, but he influences me every single day. My dad knew something that was pretty remarkable, too. And it was, you know, if you have a passion, share it with your children. Teach them what you know. Nurture their dreams. Answer their questions. And encourage them in every way. And I think that's pretty cool. It, it definitely helps. Give your son or daughter their first fish bowl their nano tank, baby guppies, whatever. Allow them to feel that excitement when they add a new tetra or find that cool angelfish they've been looking for or pick killie eggs from a spawning mop for the first time or just create that perfect aquascape. Embrace their geeky enthusiasm. And that's what parents who are fish geeks do. It's what fish geeks who just happen not to be parents do. It's what fish geeks in general do. In every field of endeavor, we have our influencers, our thought leaders, and yeah, our legends, people who through action and thought, have positively influenced the culture and the technique of what we do. The tropical fish hobby is no different, except that at the end of the day, most of the key influencers and even the legends are gracious, humble, and just good old fish geeks like you and me. They have working fish rooms, they spill water on the floor, they make tons of mistakes, and they laugh about all of them. And they carry with them this body of knowledge born of effort, enthusiasm, hard work, and patience. There are no shortcuts at all in this hobby, no ways to beat the system. Their words and lessons resonate across time, transcending errors and generations, and they ring as true now as they did when they were first written. Much of it's simple, concise, and easy to accept. How funny that the most simple advice I'd ever received has guided my aquatic passions for more you know, for, for more than some of the most complex directives I've been given by well-intentioned hobbyists over the years. Or is it? We can all learn from this body of knowledge that we accumulate in the hobby. and We can learn from the body that's been accumulating in the decades before we were ever even born or had an aquarium. These ideas, a like culture which guides everything that we do and helps us share our experiences and reach out to fellow hobbyists. And, and just talking has never been more important than it is now. We shouldn't keep any secrets about how we do things. So I guess my one plea to all of you crazy cool fish experts or obsessionistas would be to reach out across the aisle, poke your head over the fence, and share some of your amazing expertise and experience within your specialty to others working in different areas. This will ensure not only that your hard-won information and ideas are not confined only to your specific area of obsession, it'll perhaps foster breakthroughs in other hobby specialty groups. And some of those breakthroughs might just be the key to long-term well-being of the hobby as a whole and to sharing education, propagating and protecting fishes and the habitats of the world for that matter, which desperately need our attention. It's what Hanel knew. It's what every hobbyist knows. Never forget your influencers. Learn from them, question them, and do what they would expect of you. Expand upon their work, push the limits, and share your experiences tirelessly. Stay humble, stay inquisitive, stay respectful, stay engrossed, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Bellman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.